Welcome back, everyone. This is episode 198 of Pencils and Lipstick. I'm Kat Caldwell, your hostess, and I have with me Lewis Georgestad. I always love having Lewis on. How are you doing, Lewis? I'm doing very well. I, uh, I'm i always excited to come on. This is really fun. Yes, we always have a good time. We always actually have to like hit the record button because <laughs> we'll just start talking about craft and all the things. And I'm having Lewis on um, now. It is September. We are I think everyone's back in school by now. It's after Labor Day, right? And you have a new book coming out. So tell us, first of all, what the book is called and what it is about. Yeah, so the book, um, it, depending on when people are watching this, the book should be live tomorrow, which is really Yay. exciting. Um, the book is called Beyond Book One. Uh, it is all about how to plan, write, and publish successful fictional series. Um, and not to get too nerdy, but I've been sitting on this book for probably about three years now is when the the title came to me. I was like, wow, that's a really, like not to pat myself on the back, but I really like that title. And I was like, oh, I got to write a book for it. And I've just sat on it and sat on it. And I finally, the the planets aligned and it was finally time to get this book out. So I'm, re- I'm very excited to chat with you about it and share it with people. It's been a really fun week. That's awesome. So this is the first one that's specifically about series, right? You have a couple other books out there that are for us writers and on craft. Um, I recommend them a lot, like the 10 day outline book and a couple others. But is this one that the first that focuses on writing and planning a series? Yeah, so my 10 day novelist series is all like process style guide. So, you know, how to outline, how to write your first draft, how to edit. And they're all really focused on standalone novels just because the premise of the book wouldn't really work for a series because series are kind of their own beast. Okay. Um, And then I have a couple other books on things like character development, sort of broader craft. Um, But again, they've always been kind of focused on standalones because once you introduce a series into the mix, things rapidly become more complicated. So part of why I'm really excited about this book is that one of the things people come to me and ask, I even have a chapter in the book uh, dedicated to one of my writers who a long time ago came and was like, so I, you know, all of this is really great, but like, how do you turn it into a trilogy? Oh, geez. <laughs> like, That's a great question. Um, and so, yeah, you know, series play by all of the same rules as a standalone novel, but also have their own rules and sort of their own best practices and quirks from like a a storytelling perspective, like how you tell the story, but also just purely from a writing and publishing perspective. You know, you're you're taking all the work that would go into a standalone novel and you're multiplying it and how you manage that process. um, It can be difficult for writers who've maybe written one novel and now they're trying to like, okay, well, how do I expand this out into a whole series? Right, so first, what in what, in your experience, do people know that they're, they're wanting to make a series more often than they come up against a series? Like, I know for me, I decided to make a series out of my standalone, so that's, that comes with all the other issues. But do you find people more like me or people more like, no, this is going to be a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Now, how do I plan it? I would say that a lot of people start out knowing they want to write a series just because I think series are so popular. They really dominate the publishing space, especially for indie authors. And so for writers who are sort of looking to that, you know, looking towards 
when they're going to publish and when they're going to sort of start building their readership. I think a lot of them have it in the back of their head that like, I really want this to be a series. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> if it's any comfort for you, I absolutely have students who are in a similar place where they're like, they've written a really good first book. It's gotten a lot of traction, you know, readers really lucky, like it and they're asking for more and they're sitting there like, how do I, tur- how do I turn this into a series? Like <laughs> I've written myself in all these corners. I plan for the story to be finished. Like, where do I go next? And that's actually yeah. where the title of this book came from. Cause it's, beyond book one. Like, how do you, how do you take everything you've done and expand on it without driving yourself crazy and without kind of breaking the story? Um, Okay. Okay. Because it's tricky. Like, so indie publishing has been around, let's, I mean, forever. Right. But still Mm -hmm. it really took off like 2011, I guess with the Kindle. And then it sort of like, it really started taking off what maybe six, seven-ish years ago like mm-hmm. so we're kind of a young industry right so if people are coming up in this now all the information's out there that you should write a series because technically that's how you'll make money right? <laughs> like, as an indie author it always comes down to that so I guess you're right and like science fiction has always been a series dominated field I feel like in in possibly historical fiction I grew up a lot on standalones I'm much older Mm -hmm. than you though so like mostly like before in the 60s 70s I think besides um science fiction and romance there were a lot of standalones so Mm -hmm. for me it was like oh like serious like I didn't even know how you would do that because I hadn't I hadn't really read them like mm-hmm. I get bored with them. So, <laughs> so when, when do you deal with that as well? Like people who might not have read series and, and now they're sort of in this business end and they're like, oh, I have to make this whole book into more, I guess, especially if you want your super fans. Mm-hmm. So it's actually really interesting you say that because yeah, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I talk about series as like, you know, series are the norm, series are how authors sort of establish themselves. And that's true now, but like anything, sort of the publishing world ebbs and flows over time. Right. Um, standalones were were much more common. Longer books were much more common, uh, you know, 40, 50 years ago. And things have gotten shorter. Our attention spans have gotten shorter, not to beat that dead horse everyone talks about, but it is kind of true. Right. Um, and it's been interesting to see uh, how indie publishing especially has taken a lot of those concepts and actually taken concepts that are much older and has sort of revamped them for the modern sort of readership that they have. Okay. Um, something really interesting, this is not entirely to your question. I promise I'll circle back around. That's right. But something kind of interesting that I found researching for this book is that series are not one thing. Um, this is sort of my personal perspective on it. I'm sure other authors might view it in a slightly different lens, but I have sort of drilled down to four different categories of series. Um, there are sequential series, which are, you know, like the Lord of the Rings, like very classic, like, you know, full length novels that tell one large overarching story across multiple books. Um, I think that's what a lot of writers think of as like the default of what a series is. Okay. But there's also episodic series, which sort of fell out of popularity for a really long time and are sort of on an upswing right now, especially in the indie space. Um, And those would be stories that 
are again, it's one large overarching story, but it's told more like a TV show where it's a bunch of really small installments and you have room a little bit more for things like, you know, side quests and side plots. Like you can deviate from that main plot a lot more often um, because each entry And then they won't mind if it was sort of like a slightly like left turn, you know, character study. Right. Then as long as you sort of cycle it back around to the main plot at the end, right. it's it's a slightly more flexible way of, of writing a series. And that has become massively more popular in the indie space, um, even just in the last like two years. Uh, you know, who knows where it'll be in five. Right. This is true. <laughs> Before you get on the bandwagon, everyone. Yeah. I mean, I think they're great. I think there's a lot of, I'm exploring writing more episodic series myself, just because I think they're really fascinating from a storytelling perspective, but mm -hmm. that's a whole other, a whole other chat. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and then the last two are static series, um, really common in thrillers and mysteries where okay. like Jack Reacher, it's, every book is standalone. It's a complete story, but it's the same sort of general world and protagonist. The protagonist just doesn't change that much across each book. They change mm -hmm. in some ways, you know, things will sort of come back up. They'll learn some lessons, they'll develop some relationships, but it's not like a, like a quote unquote traditional trilogy or a sequential trilogy where you're charting this whole character journey across a bunch of books. Um, right. Static series are, are just that, they're much more static. And then the last one that's sort of the weird, um, the weird third cousin, if like twice removed, are <laughs> uh, anthology series, which are series that do not have common protagonists, do not have an overarching plot. They are connected by some other concept. So that could be a common world, um, very common in romance because you finish a romance novel. Yeah. You're not going to like you have to give a happily ever after or or something in that vein. It's like, like the small town is the character or something. Exactly. Yeah. And so in a romance series, um, I like to use the Bridgerton series, for example, just because it's sort of in our brain space right now because yeah. of the Netflix uh, show. But each book focuses on a different sibling in the family. So you're in the same world. You're in the, you sort of, you know, the general constraints of, of this story, but it's a different story every time and a different, uh, set of characters every time and that's that's a totally valid type of series that if your perception of series is like lord of the rings trilogy you might never really think about because it seems sort of disjointed but you can still tell like an incredibly satisfying story that way right they're all very different they're all very different yeah it's really fascinating but they all sort of fulfill that core um sort of purpose of a series which is that there there has to be a compelling reason and a compelling connection between each book. Hmm. Um, which is why I say that with a series, all the same rules of a standalone novel apply. Every one of your series, you know, books, like book one, book two, book three, need to be good novels in their own right. They need to have a complete story. They need to have strong pacing and have interesting characters. But depending on the type of series you're writing, you also have to figure out what that overarching concept will be, whether that's going to be right. a big overarching plot or just the same characters or the same world that makes readers who finish book one say, oh, I absolutely need to read book two. It is the natural continuation of this, of this yeah. series. 
which is tricky. It's complicated. It is tricky. It is because I, I get the easiest way to do that, I would assume, is to know from book one that you, so you can put in like certain characters, at least, if not like nuggets. Like, I guess the most satisfying and the most amazing ones is when the writer puts something in the beginning that you're okay with them not having figured out by the end of the book somehow. And yet they still fix it by the, like, they like resolve it by the end of, of the third or fourth or whatever book. And yet you're not dissatisfied. Like that mm -hmm. to me is one of the most amazing things that some writers, like, I don't know how they do that. <laughs> so what I think you're sort of describing here is um, something called catharsis, which is that like emotional rush you get at the end of a story that that's what makes it feel satisfying. So when you finish a really good novel and you're, you just like, it's, it's hard to describe because it's just that it's like tightness in your chest. You're just, you're yeah. excited. You're hyped up. Um, that's really the goal there. And so, yeah, with a series that you have that added element of you need to create that, that catharsis at the end of each book, but you also need to leave plot threads open-ended so that readers have a reason to keep keep going and so yeah. you can create an even bigger sense of catharsis at the end you know you right. by setting up things in book one that you then finally pay off in book three that's that's a really powerful thing um regardless of what series type you're writing you know right. even right. in something like like jack reacher or you know the james bond books like you could drop a little hint or a little nugget in book one that you don't bring back up until book 12 um just to, it's sort of, you're rewarding readers for sticking with you. Um, yeah, exactly. Yes. So how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just, it's interesting. I saw a meme of like, you know, somebody crying basically and saying no, because it, in the top of it was like, when I realized I have to take the story from my head to the actual paper, because mm -hmm a lot of times we have very vivid imaginations as writers we think we know the whole story right and then you 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 don't right like it's impossible to know everything that actually has to happen because things are going to come up especially like let's just say trilogy that's mm -hmm. what 80 times three <laughs> what is that <laughs> Twenty four thousand words like 2,040,000 words whatever i can't do math <laughs> okay it's a lot it's a lot of words so that's and the characters that you have to have and the plot holes that you have to and like you just said you can't really have a cliffhanger right like mm -hmm. it has to have open that's different open threads is different than a cliffhanger you still have to end it which is sometimes the worst you know the hardest thing to do you have to have climax do you have to have a climax that that's like a series climax and a climax per book like, yes <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> I, I yeah not to not to not to really stress you out about the thought of turning no, your book into a series like but tearing yes. my hair out at this um, so yeah so the the basic concept so this is something i go into way more detail in in the book yes. like more than i could ever explain in this call right. but i'll kind of give you the as much as i can um the idea is that you don't want to leave well okay i don't want to say that as an absolute there are definitely okay. instances where leaving a cliffhanger could be the right move mm. but i would caution against doing that often um 
and doing it without a lot of care on why you're doing it. Like a cliffhanger is a very powerful tool, but it also is a very delicate one that like you want to use in moderation. Um, and so for a series, you still, you know, you need that, that big finale at the end of each book. Um, but I describe it as you, you also want to open a loop at the end. So if you, if you're familiar with, you know, story structure, you're going to have those big turning points in the story. Um, and there's going to be that central conflict in each book. Mm. Um, that all needs to be the case in a series. And by resolving that central conflict for each book, that's how you create that satisfying cathartic finale. But then you have that sort of that falling action or that resolution after the finale where you have space to open a loop. So you're sort of like, oh, you know, everyone sigh, sigh of relief. Uh, we've, we've beat the conflict, things are done. Oh wait, but what about this? Or, you know, um, for instance, uh, something like the Hunger Games, you know, that first book is very much a complete story. You know, sh- they survive the games, they get out, they go home, but the story kind of opens a loop at the end of, look how much conflict is now here. Like, look at how unstable things are and how much their world has changed because of their defiance at the end of, at the end of the games. There are, there are, there's trouble a brewing. Yes. <laughs> and that's where book two comes in. And you would I be think, doing the same thing. Sorry, my mic. Um, I think really that, that loop is only opened by Hamish, right? Like the, mm-hmm. j- it's just the little comments he makes. So you can open a loop quite quietly mm-hmm. like because you said as you said it's a really it could have been a standalone sort of you'd still have people clamoring for more right as they want more from mr snow and everything but i think it like that loop is really only him saying do you really think this is over like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> there's a lot of really like gentle ways you can do it and you can be more aggressive about it um for instance not to like just focus on trilogies but trilogies have a trilogies above and beyond most other types of series have a very like consistent cadence. Mm. Um, and I like to use star Wars as an example, just because again, everyone's familiar with it, but the second star Wars movie ends on not a cliffhanger. Like Luke isn't left hanging off, you know, hanging in space, like about to die. And we just cut to black and that's all we get. Like we know that he gets saved. Like we know that, you know, Han is taken away, Luke is not dead, but like we're sort of on a low note. Um, That is a more aggressive sort of open loop because the open loop isn't, you know, well, stuff might pop off soon. The open loop is our heroes just got their shins kicked. Like we have some, we have some stuff to deal with in the next, uh, in the next story. Um, So it's a range, like all things. And it depends on the specifics of your story, how aggressive you want to be. But what's cool is, and so sort of tying way back to the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned that you already have a book and you're sort of like, well, how do I expand it into a series? And a lot of what we've been talking about in terms of like opening that loop and that overarching plot is specific to like sequential or episodic series. But there's also always the possibility of writing a static or an anthology series which is a whole nother set of possibilities. Um, obviously, I don't know the the exact specifics of your book, but you know, depending on what your book is like, if it is a really complete story, it might be that you're not maybe writing 
you know, book two as a continuation of that story, maybe you're writing a, a separate adventure that that protagonist has, or you're writing an adventure that another character from that first book has, but it's a different protagonist. It's a different story. The sort of the fine art of it is like yeah. how you mesh that together in a way where readers are, are willing to come along with you for that journey where they, they, don't feel like this is just sort of random books that you shove together, that like it feels cohesive. I think I'll need your book. Anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> so with um, Beyond Book One, is this like a a sort of in-depth book where we're sort of, pick, we need a pencil and we're going alongside as we're reading kind of like your other books where you're just like, all right, here are my ideas. Or is this like a read and then work out your series? after we've read the whole book. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, if anyone watching this, and I know you're familiar, uh, are familiar with my 10 day novelist series, mm -hmm. those books are very process oriented. So like, as you read, you're probably pausing a lot to go do stuff, you know, cause I'm saying like, okay, at this point, you know, take some time to do X, Y, Z, and then come back and we're going to continue and do X, Y, Z. Um, Beyond book one is actually part of uh, a separate series that I'm uh, writing called the Writer's Craft series. Uh, and there are two other books in it right now, writing, uh, Write Your Hero and Mastering Character Arcs. And those books are still very action oriented. Like I still, I would love for people to be reading and like taking notes and like getting ideas as they go. Um, but they're more of like a deep dive into some aspect of the story craft. So mm. For instance, um, you know, Beyond Book One is going to like take you through a deep dive of those different types of series I talked about, like how they compare, you know, work through some case studies of like what what that looks like in action, you know, what are the kind of pitfalls and dangers of each one, what are the benefits of each one, and then it's going to kind of circle around to saying like, okay, based on that sort of base of knowledge that you now have, how can you figure out what type of series fits the story you're trying to tell, right. and then you know, speaking to you specifically, there's a whole chapter on what do you do if you already have a novel and want to expand it into a series? Like, how do you approach that process? How do you approach that? Yeah. yeah. And so it sort of goes through all of that. You know, there's a, there's a chapter in there on like publishing a series. How is publishing a series different than a standalone? What do you okay. need to think about in terms of like titles and covers and promotion and pricing? And like, should you do a box set? The answer is no. You know, should you like all these different things that are, are, different than standalones. Yeah. Um, honestly, because so many of the resources that I've found over the years for writers are written as if they're assuming you're writing a standalone. And a lot of writers are trying to like extrapolate that out into like, okay, well, how does that apply to a series? Right. Um, and now when people come to me and say like, well, I read all this stuff, but like, how does it apply to a series? I can be like, I got you. <laughs> yes, yeah. Don't don't guess, like here's here's how it applies to a series. So. so as far as marketing goes, I think the last, gosh, what year is this year? Eight years, <laughs> people have been saying, give your first book away for free, which is hard to do when you just have the one book out of your series or maybe just the two, like depending on mm -hmm. how you've decided to do that, right? Do you think that's still a thing or are you going to recommend people write like a prequel or like how do you think that works? as far as like, let's say we're right now thinking of writing a series and we want to like be very organized as I am not, but you know, if we were gonna like 
pretend <laughs> what would you recommend they they i don't know that they do or just this is how marketing in the indie world is mm -hmm. so i think the the sort of perma-free first book is a very valid strategy and mm -hmm. same with um a lot of authors will just discount their first book you know the first book is 99 cent and the rest is 3.99 or 4.99 or whatever um but that's not the only way. The big thing, at least in my opinion, to think about when you are thinking about the like promotion side of a series is that your biggest goal is to encourage read through. So mm -hmm. um, for anyone not familiar with that as a term, read through is how many readers who read book one make it all the way to the last book in your series. So if we're working with a trilogy, how many, you know, read book three, or if you have six books, how many read book six? Okay. Um, and there is your sort of series read through, which is, you know, how many from book one make it to the last book. There's also individual, like if you're looking at your series read through and it's really low, like 50% is considered kind of the benchmark you want to hit. Mm -hmm. um, if you're down really? in like the 10% range, it might not be that like, oh, my whole series is terrible. It's all falling apart. It might be that one specific book they're dropping off on. And then you can look like, okay, how many people who read book one buy book two? Okay, how many who read book two buy book three? And somewhere along there, you'll see a sudden outlier and be like, oh, everything's yeah. great. It's just no one's buying book four for some reason. Like maybe my blurb is weird. Like maybe my cover isn't working. Um, there's a lot of little things you can like tweak and adjust that might have nothing to do with the story. Like the story might be awesome. It's just, there's some little piece that you need to sort of tweak. Um, again, that's a, that's a much longer conversation. We yeah. might have to come back for that. I mean, one. and that that's always, it, that's always the problem with the indie world, right? It's like, it could be a lot of different things, mm -hmm. which I'm sure you touch on in, in the book beyond book one, but really the big, the most important is that the series is cohesive, right? And that it continues, that it's written in a way that continues to make people want to buy the next one. Like, so that, you know, I mean, when I was a kid, you would end the season of the, of the television season would end in May. You had to wait till September for mm -hmm. it to start again. There was no binge watching back then. That's how old I am. Um, so you want that anticipation, right? And that really has to do with how you've structured the the story so would you recommend i mean there are lots of people like me but i guess the the better way to do it would be to really not be a pantser but to be a planner for a series yeah and i i always feel weird saying that because i want to respect people's writing process like we're right. all different and whatever is going to help you write the book is the most important thing um but for a series i do really strongly recommend having at least some plan in place. And I'm a big, I'm a huge plotter. Like I am a, I have, I'm the guy with like index cards and sticky notes on the wall. I look like a crazy person. Like I, I'm a planner at heart, but you, you know, you don't necessarily have to be like me where you've literally plotted out every scene in a six book series um, at length. That might be a little much, but <laughs> even for those of you out there who are pantsers, um, even if you don't want to like plot out the whole series, depending on what type of series you're writing, again, that's the complicating factor of like, if you're writing a sequential trilogy, like the Lord of the Rings, how you do this will be different than if you're right. writing like a static 
you know, 12 book series like Jack Reacher, but knowing, knowing your overarching concept, Mm -hmm. um, if you are writing a sequential trilogy, like what is that overarching plot for the whole book and how are you going to end that last book? Because even if you don't really know what happens in the middle, you kind of need to know what you're building towards right? to prevent yourself from sort of falling off. Um, bless yeah. George R. R. Martin. Yeah. That book's never coming out, you know, like, because right. he's, he's written an amazing, incredibly deep, complicated series. And now he's sort of staring at it like, now how the hell am I going to wrap this all together? And that's, that's hard, you know, and even that if you're writing be, a- yeah. That much simpler story yeah oh yeah, yeah if you don't if you don't know what it is and now you have fan bases there's no way you're going to satisfy everybody no. like there's no way you have to have that confidence like jk mm-hmm. rowling needed to know what that end battle scene was going to be and how mm-hmm. much we were going to doubt what's his face <laughs> what is his <laughs> name and like whether he was going to give up harry or not you, like mm-hmm. he, something she must have had some sort of idea you know, I mean, cause it's the, it's the usual good and evil, you know, like, yeah. okay. It could be so many different things, but I think you're right. Like if you, you could write yourself into a corner if you don't know what that mm-hmm. ending is. And I mean, even like, even if you manage to pull it all off, when, at least for me and for a lot of the students that I work with, when you are stuck in like the first draft of book two and you're like, everything's falling apart. My life is in shambles. I haven't showered in four days. Like when life just looks bleak, knowing what you're working towards, like being able to step back and imagine like, okay, it might not happen in this book. It might not happen in the next book. Maybe you're writing four or five book series, but I know, I know where the story is going and I'm excited about that ending. That can that can do a tremendous amount to kind of like propel you through right. when you are just like really thinking about giving up on a book. Um, especially especially if you're publishing as you go. I I love that you mentioned like when you have a readership, it just gets massively more complicated. Um, because yeah, like there there's a lot to be said for listening to your readers and trying to adapt and account for what they're excited about you know if you know if you write books one and two and there's like a throwaway side character that you don't think much about but readers are just foaming at the mouth like we love you know jim bob over there like we want more of that it might be worth working them into the story a little bit more but at the same time as the author you have to be comfortable saying I'm giving you not necessarily the story you're asking for, but the story you actually want, which sounds very self-important, but you are sort of, you are in charge of the boat. And if you don't know where you're headed and you're just sort of being pulled in every direction, that can be very overwhelming very quickly. I mean, imagine how many people wanted her to stick Katniss to go with Gail. And exactly. She said no. (laughs) and nope. we were all some of us were confused but that's okay i'm still confused <laughs> like, why, why, why the boy I... is named after bread i'm very confused what is this um, but so one last question i have for you because i read this somewhere <laughs> i will say that um that said that mentioned in a series it's usually book two because as you look at it so what it, not the episodic series but the like the trilogy series or the mm-hmm. series that and a lot of series are like 
longer than that now, right? Four, five, six books. But it's it's really following. What's that called again? The series that like the sequential the whole, series. The sequential series. Yeah. So this um, person said that it's usually book two because that's the uphill of like mm -hmm. really setting more scene, like the um the first book, you know, you really had to introduce everybody and something had to push the protagonist into, you know, getting off their bum and, and like walking into the world. Right. And now the second book is like technically the most boring because it's mm -hmm. still setting up. Do you agree with that? <laughs> Cause I was shocked by that statement. Yeah. I call them the book two lows. Uh, really? Okay. Book, book twos can just drag. They can be, they're usually really long because a lot has to happen, but they can just be the most stale, depressing books because they also end. It, so again, um, they got to end at the like low point, right? At like the you low were point, talking yeah. about with Star Wars. Mm -hmm. oh. So trilogies are, are sort of their own beast because it is such an established, like way, there's a, a very established way of writing a trilogy, okay. like above and beyond just like like a four book series or a duology okay, or what have okay. you. Those each have their own quirks, but for a trilogy, especially, um, yeah, book the book two lows are very real. And th there isn't really a way around it. Like it's kind of just a fact of the format. But with that said, there is a way to, to do it well and kind of mitigate those lows. Um, and it really just ties back around to like good story craft. Um, okay. You know, that book too still needs to be a compelling, interesting story. And really it needs to be pretty tight. I um, I always feel like a bit of a Grinch doing this, but I, I have some authors I work with where they get into their book too and they're just throwing in every scene. They're like, we're gonna have this side character and we're gonna do this thing. And I'm just like, stop, <laughs> yes. let's let's like pull back. I, I hate doing it because they're all interesting, cool ideas, but just like any other book, like the tighter you can make it, the more focused you can make it around that, you know, central conflict of that book, the more likely readers are going to stick with you. And it's not going to mm -hmm. kind of lose the thread because again, you're trying to build up to that catharsis. Even if you're going to end on a low note at the end of book two to sort of lead into book three, there's still ways to do it where readers get to the end and they're like, no, like they're, they're, they're hyped up in a negative way, but like in a way that's addictive, like they want to know what happens next. They're like, I have to see, you know, do we get Han out of the carbonite? Like does yeah. what happens to his arm? You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely an art form. Um, but yeah, that book too low is very real. Um, okay. I would, I would wholeheartedly agree on that. That's interesting. So I would assume though, that once you know something, like that's also giving you the ability to mitigate that, to make it mm -hmm. condense, right? To to follow all these rules as well. Well, that is awesome. So this Beyond Book One comes out as far as this podcast comes out tomorrow, September 12th, mm -hmm. um, but people can pre-order, right? Yeah, so, pre so if someone's watching this like Monday morning, uh, yeah, pre-order should be live unless I have done something horribly wrong. Pre-order should be live. <laughs> And uh, and yeah, book book comes out fully on the twelfth, uh, and I would I would be so honored if people picked it up. I am so excited about like as you can tell, I could just geek out about this kind of stuff for hours and hours. <laughs> it's really it, bless bless my boyfriend putting up with my nonsense. He's like, please go on podcasts, talk about this to other people. Can we talk about can we talk about the weather? 
yes. How about we <laughs> paint? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he's like complete opposite of of writing, right? So it's probably like I'm. Yeah, done. he's a he's a web developer, so he's like he's very mathy. Like you were like we were like sitting husband. there trying to figure out math, and I'm just like I am not a math like, guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're both staring at the screen. How many words is it? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Exactly. It's a lot of words. That's what it is. So when people pick up this book, and I always recommend your um your other books as well, the 10 day series. Um, what if they read it and they're like, Okay, that's great, Lewis. Now I need more help because I need like a therapist, or Lewis George said to like pretend be my book therapist. <laughs> Do you have anywhere else that they can go to like figure this out verbally and with somebody, mostly you? Yeah. So I, um, obviously anyone who wants to just sort of like follow from afar and like see what I have going on. Um, I have a lot of resources on my website, thenovelsmithy.com. Um, but for anyone who wants to like, who's looking at this and they have their, their book and they're like, how do I turn this into a series? Like, how do I make my book to not suck? Um, and wants to work on that a little more closely. I have a um, writing membership called The Forge uh, where not only do we have sort of our like central like roadmap, you know, okay. course for writers that kind of takes you by the hand and gives you sort of guidance for each stage of the writing process um, from like your initial idea all the way up to, you know, publishing and like building your readership. Um, but we also have a really, really awesome community of other authors um, and I'm there as well. So there's a lot of editorial support. We have office hours where you can come and like exactly like this, like talk through your story with me and hot seats where, you know, every so often I'll sit down with one person in particular and we'll have like an hour long triage session <laughs> for like whatever they've got going on. Um, it's a cool place. And yeah, anyone who's interested in that, I would be so, so thrilled to, to get to meet y'all. And they can find more information about The Forge at thenovelsmithy.com, right? Yes. Yeah. They awesome. should find links and everything they need there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited about Beyond Book One. Um, I'll be picking it up and I encourage you guys to hit the links in the show notes below. Um, if you're driving, of course, you can find everything at thenovelsmithy.com, but um, the links will be below and you can follow Lewis on social media as well. And yeah, I'm sure he'll come back soon and we'll be talking about more, more things because as you can tell, we can geek out about the craft for a long time. <laughs> so long, just days. <laughs> just forever. We're saving our partners. Okay. We're saving those. Yeah. <laughs> I'm you. saving my relationship. <laughs> exactly. Thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely.